you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ here, and uh, the draft is right around the corner. We are less than a week away from the first round kicking off, and today's episode is a little bit of a tradition here on Move the Sticks. Uh, It's just going to be my conference call. Every year we do this before the combine. Uh, We do it before the draft. And it's a way for me to kind of answer a bunch of questions from media all over the country and in some cases outside the country um, as it pertains to what we expect to happen on draft night. So uh, it's a good way to touch on a lot of different topics. We've uh, we've trimmed it down a little bit. These calls can get a little long. uh, So we've trimmed it down a little bit. But for today's episode, it's just going to be my conference call uh, as it relates to the upcoming NFL draft. And a reminder that... uh, you know, after this episode is over, be on the lookout. Lots more Move the Sticks content is going to be coming your way. Uh, Bucky's going to be doing a, a tremendous job next week. I'll be joining him for a little bit of that, uh, and he'll take over the reins as well. Uh, so without any further ado, here's the conference call ahead of the 2023 NFL Draft. Our first question comes from Mark Potish. Hey, DJ, thanks again for doing this. Uh, before the Bears traded the number one pick, uh, you were a, a proponent of the deal they eventually made, I think, going down to nine as opposed to two or yeah. four. In the five plus weeks that have ensued, uh, as this quarterback class has shaken out, is that pick any more valuable today? In other words, would Ryan Poles be any better better off waiting? What's your analysis of the, of the timing of it now? Well, 
look, you never know how that's going to shake out once everybody does all their homework and gets to the finish line on the quarterback evaluations. I, I would say that it, it feels like in the teams I've talked to, there's a clear cut number one. When uh, when that happens, you end up getting a pretty good price. But even that being said, with the haul they got, when you include the player that they got and DJ Moore, I don't know that they would have been able to do better. Um, so I think that was smart on his part. He got a deal he liked. Um, he was comfortable with it and he wasn't going to wait to see if there was anything better out there and, and maybe miss out on that opportunity. So um, I, I thought it was smart to, to go to nine. It made the most sense. I love the return they got. And the crazy thing about it is I think as we're a week out, I think never would have thought this when they made that trade, but they might be sitting there with more quarterbacks still on the board when they pick at nine and might be faced, you know, with another opportunity to continue to add, uh, you know, more picks. So uh, I really, I really thought that was the the smart move that they made. Great. Thanks, CJ. Yep. Next question comes from Jonathan Alexander. Thanks for doing this, DJ. I was curious your opinion. If the Texans were to pass on a quarterback at the number two draft, uh, I mean, at the, with the number two pick and take, say, Will Anderson, um, do you think that'd be a mistake? And, and, and do you think there'd still be opportunities to get, um, you know, a quality quarterback? Of course, they have that 12 pick. So I just wanted your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, Will Anderson's my second player and Bryce Young's my first player. So, you know, we assume Bryce Young goes number one, maybe taking best player available. Um, so from that standpoint, I couldn't argue. I would just say that there has to be a plan in place to add a quarterback in this draft. You know, they've got a, you know, they've got an opportunity where they're at 12. Maybe they're, you know, maybe that's what they have in mind. I just have a hard time seeing them entering next season, you know, with the Mills, Keenum, Perry combo being it. Um, they have a chance to add to that room right now. Um, and that's why I'd be, I would be shocked if they, they left the first round with those two picks and, and one of them was not a quarterback. So um, hope that kind of answers your question. I, I, I love Will Anderson as a player. Um, but there's no guarantees you're going to be picking up here again, and you've got an opportunity to take a quarterback. I really like C.J. Stroud. He's my seventh overall player. Um, and to me, if it's me in that situation, I would take C.J. Stroud. I think he's better than anybody you have on your roster right now. It's an upgrade. And, uh, you know, you can look to next year all you want. There are absolutely no guarantees you're going to get one of those guys next year. If I could quickly ask, is there a reason C.J. Stroud has seemed to have fallen out of favor in in, in – in some people's eyes recently? Well, I mean, I, I don't know that he, you know, I don't know that he, he really has. I think sometimes, you know, everything gets taken with and ran with on the media side of things. And, and it could just simply be, you know, the Texans are the, the team we've, we've long anticipated would take him. And that might be that the Texans just don't feel like he's a great fit for them. So um, who's to say that that doesn't mean that they trade that pick and somebody up comes up and takes him. You know, that, uh, you know, somebody comes up to three and takes him or the Colts take him at four. So I, I don't know that it's this narrative that he's dropping like a rock as much as it is that it seems to be out there that, uh, you know, that they're not in uh, in lockstep, unanimous in support of C.J. Stroud inside that one building in Houston. That's that's basically, I think, what everybody's getting. Thank you. Our next question uh, comes from Mike K. As you'd mentioned earlier, uh, you didn't have a great feel for where guys were going to go at QB, but it does kind of feel like CJ and Bryce are the conversation at one. Why mm. would you choose one over the other based on what you know about Frank and, and his offense? Yeah, I, I think sometimes, you know, we get hung up on 
you know, this, this, they all have a type and this is the player that they've had in the past. They've had a similar guy. He's not had a smaller quarterback. And my pushback to that was number one, I don't know that he was in the position to choose who their quarterbacks were. And they never had an opportunity to select an ultra, ultra talented, undersized quarterback. So, you know, the Bryce Youngs don't come around very often where you get somebody that's, you know, that doesn't fit all the specs, but is supremely talented. And to me, I just thought he's the, you know, he's got the best tape of anybody in this class. I thought it was clear cut just with everything he does on schedule, off schedule, you know, accuracy, poise, you know, ball placement, uh, you know, playmaking ability, being great in those big clutch moments, late in games, managing games, all that stuff is off the charts. And if it was like a blind taste test, if you just read the notes on Bryce Young and didn't look at how big he was and you read your notes on Joe Burrow, they would read almost identical. So I, I think he's that type of a player. I think he's that type of a talent. He just you're going to take the risk with him, um, you know, with the body type. It is what it is. Um, you're going to you know, it's not ideal, but the rest of it is really, really good. Next question comes from D. Orlando Ledbetter. Yeah, thanks for doing this, Daniel. Hey, the uh, last two times the Falcons, uh, well, it's the 27th time they've been in the top 10. Last two times they went with <laughs> offensive <laughs> offensive. That's a lot. That's a lot going man. all the way back to Bruce Pickens and Audrey Bruce and all that. But uh, last two times went with offensive weapons. Is that a tip that, hey, they may be going defense or they take the big lineman that might be there for them at eight? Yeah, I think it's pretty wide open for them um, when you look at the direction they could go. I mean, they did a nice job in in, in free agency, kind of locking their own guys in. Um, and so offensive line-wise, they're they're okay. They can line up and play there. Um, I just look at them on the defensive side of the ball. And when you're 31st in sacks and you're 31st in third down defense, I like the fact they brought in Calais Campbell. I, I like the fact they just brought in Bud Dupree. They've added some good pieces there. You know, Clayus Campbell is not going to play much longer. Um, they're going to need some more young guys, some talented guys to throw in that mix on that defensive front. Grady Jarrett's been awesome, but again, you know, you're getting a little bit older there. So I, I like the idea of adding some some juice up front. And I know there's there's uh, you know, I think there's two guys that come into play there. Uh, when you look at Lucas Van Ness, I've talked about him a bunch with them. Uh, I think that one uh, is the one that will be in the mix. And I also think Nolan Smith from right down the street at Georgia. Uh, to me, those two players make a lot of sense for their front. They need to just get younger, get get more athletic, uh, get a little bit more dynamic and see if they can't improve on some of these god-awful numbers against the pass and on third down. Thank you. Next question comes from Bob McMiniman. Thanks, uh, DJ, for doing this. Questions about the Cardinals and all the trade down possibilities that that might be presented, this you know we don't know what Houston's going to do. Obviously, do you do you have a feeling that this is definitely a trade down situation for the Cardinals? Be it four, you know, six, seven, nine, eleven, that far down. Well, I, I would think it's a no brainer that they want to do it. Um, you know, the question is whether or not there's the market for it. So, I think that you know it's got to be a two way street. I think they would love to get out. Um, you know, I don't want to be overly harsh, but I, in my opinion, I think they have the worst roster in the league right now. Um, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to try and get as many assets as possible this year and next year, just accumulate as many picks as you possibly can. So um, that makes all the sense in the world for them. It just comes to whether or not there's a market. And I would say the same thing about the Cardinals uh, that I said about the Bears. If they have an opportunity to move back, don't get hung up on you know, I can only go back, you know, one spot or two spots or three spots. I don't want to be out of range of a particular player. 
you are a lot more than a particular player away from being a good team. So get get back as far as you can, get as much as you can. Um, and and again, I would I would be adding pieces in next year's draft as well as this year's draft if you could. Thanks, man. Next question comes from Jim Wyatt. Daniel, appreciate your time. I, I listened to the Peter Schrager podcast. You had the Titans going with Jackson Smith and Jigba. You've stuck with that. What would you think about that pick? And what do you think they're going to be faced with sitting there at 11 if they don't move up? Yeah, good to hear you, man. Uh, look, I, I just look at this offense and just say you've got to get some more firepower. Um, when you're 30th in passing yards, and I like Traylon Burks. I think he's going to be a good player. I think they need more. Uh, to compliment him and support him. So that's why Traylon Burks, I thought, would be a good fit there. I think he compliments him quite well. Um, and you've also got a couple guys now that are really good with the ball in their hands after the catch. He kind of fits that physical identity um, that Coach Rabel's always, you know, appreciated there. So that's why, you know, I was kind of leaning in that direction with their pick. If you're looking at, at other areas they could end up going, um, you know, I think they'll be they'll be staring at some tackles. I mean, Petit Freer is a third round pick, so it's not like they have a ton invested there. Um, but I think you'd, you'd be in a spot there where you could very well have your pick of any of the offensive linemen. I think that's possible. Um, so I, I wouldn't totally rule that out either. But when you just look at it overall, they, they've got to leave this draft with a little more juice, a little more firepower offensively. Next question comes from Dan Weederer. Hey, DJ, had a couple uh, receivers in day two, uh, maybe early day three, I wanted to ask you about. Josh Downs in North Carolina, curious what you think his bit is at the next level. And then Princeton, I'll see if I can pronounce it right, Andre Yoshivas. I'm, I'm curious what you think of him. First of all, you nailed the pronunciation there, so uh, nicely done on that. Uh, Josh Downs a good player, and in talking to teams around the league, I think he's been a coaching favorite. So you kind of go through these different cycles of the process where you have personnel department kind of takes the ball and runs with it early, you know, throughout the fall. And then the coaches jump into the process in the spring and just talking to teams, it feels like this has been a coaching favorite um, who's kind of helped uh, it kind of a climb a little bit as we've gone through the process here, as the coaches have gotten involved, he's not big. He's, you know, he's a little bit under five, nine, he's quicker than fast, not super, super explosive. But when I watched him, you know, you see him get in and out of breaks, these little whip routes. He's so quick. Uh, he kind of reminded me of, you know, going back in the old school a little bit to Randall L of uh, somebody who's just a really, really good athlete who I think is going to be a nice slot receiver. Um, so I, I think he's going to go in the second round. I really do at some point in time uh, in that mix. And then I would think you got to probably go down a couple rounds. I think Yosevich probably goes in that fourth round range. I mean, he's, he's got some size at 6'3". He's 205 pounds. He ran well in the low four fours. Obviously, he's got, you know, a tremendous track background, so he can really run. He's a he's a strider. He gains a lot of ground as he goes. He's got a second gear when the ball goes up in the air. Um, you know, I didn't think he was a tremendous run after catch guy with with make miss and, and elusiveness, but a, a true over the top receiver in, in a draft with so many small guys. He's one of the rare guys that's, you know, 0-6-3 and 200 plus. So uh, that'll help him. But I, I think he's probably in that fourth round range. Maybe he surprises us and sneaks into the third round. Um, but I think that's where he comes off the board. Great stuff. Thank you. Our next question comes from Chase Goodbread. Good to see you again, DJ. Good to see you, buddy. It looks like a beautiful day out there. Yeah, the, the weather's too good not to be outside. Um, what is the likelihood or unlikelihood that Bryce Young and Will Anderson could be could go off the board one, two. It, it's only happened that the same school has done that three times in the history of the draft. The last time was 
2000. So obviously it would be pretty significant historically. Well, you know, first of all, before I answer that question, I'm going to ask you one real quick, Chase. How long after that were to happen before Alabama's football uh, would, would tweet out uh, the uh, the money that both those players are going to make in the NFL and, and the, the little nugget that you just tossed out there? About half a second. Yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, I, I think it's a legit possibility, more so this week than last week. Um, you know, I, the, the thing with C.J. Stroud and the Texans, I, I, I didn't buy it early on. Um, with them not taking him, I thought, okay, you know, I think Bryce will go one. I think Stroud will end up going two. It just makes, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I think those were clearly the top two quarterbacks, in my opinion, and the Texans had the need. And then all of a sudden the whispers started, uh, you know, my buddy Lance Zerline is there in Houston. He's plugged in and he was one of the first, if not the first to say, Hey, hold up. I, I they might go defense here. They might not go quarterback. And then, um, those were kind of the whispers. And now I think that whispers kind of turned into a roar. Uh, there's a lot of people around the league that believe that's that that's the case, that they aren't going to take a quarterback. So then it comes down to, you know, Will Anderson versus Tyree Wilson being the choice. I like Will Anderson over over Tyree. I think they're both good players. Um, but, you know, if they were to go defense there, I think at the end of the day that, you know, Will Anderson's body of work would uh would be enough to get him over the hump and in that's in that scenario there you go alabama one and two thanks dj yep next question comes from jory epstein thanks for doing this dj kind of a niche question later round but how much do you think that brock purdy has changed the perception of mr irrelevance more broadly how would you describe the difference in team's draft strategy in the seventh round versus earlier rounds oh that's a great question um i think there's always been two different camps when it comes to seventh round picks to late round picks. There's, there's, okay. We want guys with, uh, you know, kind of established resumes who have been punished through the process for not being as big or fast, you know, as they need to be, they don't fit all the specs, but they're good football players. High, You know, we feel like high floor and maybe they've been devalued through the process because of that. And then there's others that are just trait hunting at that point in time saying, I don't care what level they played at. I don't care how much playing time they got. We're going to just get, try and get the biggest, fastest guys we can, and we'll try and develop them with our system. Um, So I think there's always been those two schools of thought in the seventh round with Brock Purdy. I think it's not only impacting what, um, you know, what could happen late in the draft, you know, in terms of maybe, okay, this guy's played a lot of football. He's a good player. Maybe he's not the wow, you know, the wow traits, but maybe that helps a player like that. I also think it's going to impact, you know, where that that next tier of quarterbacks comes off the board. So, in other words, if you're looking at a quarterback and you're looking at the third round group and you start getting into like the Jaron Halls and the Jake Hayners, um, the Tanner McKees, you know, the the uh, DTRs from UCLA, that the traits that made Purdy a hit. I think teams are going to place a lot more premium on the traits that he possessed in terms of, you know, uh, accuracy, intelligence, you know, decision making. And, and more than anything else, I think the fact he's played a lot of football. Next question comes from Zach Kiefer. DJ, thanks for doing this. Um, let's talk Colts for a minute. Knowing what you know about Chris Ballard and, and this team's rocky road the last few years at quarterback. Levis or Richardson, or is the CJ Stroud smoke real? And, and maybe they, maybe they get a chance at him. Well, again, I I guess we'll find out on Thursday night about the Stroud stuff with Houston, whether or not that's real or not. So we'll have to wait on that. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people, um, 
in the league that you talk to with, uh, you know, again, GMs and head coaches that just feel like um, Will Levis is a good fit there with them. Um, that, uh, you know, the, the stuff that, that Will Levis can do athletically um, is, is intriguing with what, you know, you have a coach and, and Shane Steichen who's been able to, you know, work with a Jalen Hurts and then even Herbert, his ability to move around a little bit. Um, you know, he kind of fits that, that mold. And again, I'm always leery of, of marrying guys to what they've coached in the past. I think there's more to it than that. Um, but I think he's with him and Richardson. If we just take those two, I think Will Levis is further along in his journey and his development. He might not have as much upside as, as Richardson, but I think, you know, tomorrow he's going to be ahead of Anthony Richardson. Whereas Anthony Richardson, I think has a little more distance to travel, but with a way bigger upside. And with this Colts roster where it is right now, there's some pretty good veteran pieces in place. I think there's some expectation there um, that you want this guy to be up and running sooner than later. So if I was going to give you my guess, I would say at this point in time, it would be, uh, you know, the the Stroud scenario. If Stroud got there. I think I would you know, I would lean towards Stroud and then I would say Levis and then I would say Richardson would be my guess with the Colts. But as with all of us with this draft, I mean, it's nothing but an educated guess. Next question comes from Ryan Dunleavy. Hey, Daniel, thanks for doing this. No problem. Um, I wanted to ask if the Giants' goal was to go receiver, corner, or corner receiver to get the two positions they need out of the first two rounds, what shapes up better in the second round, if that makes sense? Like, where is there more depth in the second round that you would have to, like, is it make more sense to go receiver, corner, or corner, receiver, if you're trying to match up the two in the first two rounds? Well, it's, I think that's a smart way to look at it. And I think that's what goes on in draft rooms. And that's maybe not what everybody understands is that you don't make that one individual pick in a vacuum. You're kind of looking at your collective hall in, in terms of how you, how you negotiate your strategy here. And this might be the first time that I can remember in a long time that I would advocate taking the wide receiver first because I actually like the group of corners in the second round that you'd be staring at more than I like the receivers you'd be staring at. When you get in the second round, the corners, you know, we'll see what happens with Emmanuel Forbes. Um, I think he's got a, a real shot to go in the first round, even though he's, you know, 170 pounds currently. Um, but with him, Ringo's intriguing uh, from Georgia. Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. Uh, Riley Moss, I really like him. A lot of teams like him. Uh, from Iowa, Julius Brents, Kansas State. Um, you know, there, there's a long list. I mean, there's some teams that are that are Cam Smith teams. Others aren't quite as high. But there is a uh, there is a lot of depth at this corner position. Whereas the wide receiver position, I feel like it's that that kind of clump up there at the top. There's a handful of guys, and uh, ideally, I think you'd want to leave with one of those guys already in the fold. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Next question comes from Eric Branch. I don't mean to suggest the Niners have you know figured out the draft in any way. They've certainly had their share of whiffs, like any other team. But you know, as you know, you know, after the second round during the Lynch Shanahan era, they've had like Kittle, Warner, Greenlaw, Hufanga, DJ Jones, Purdy. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts of you know why they've been able to hit on an inordinate amount of kind of elite type players in later rounds is there something about what you know about their strategy or or approach that would uh, at least offer some some level of explanation well you know it's interesting when you when you list all those names off in a row um to me i think there's some there's some uh continuity there with you're talking about guys that are incredibly football smart um, and they're, they're incredibly passionate. They were leaders at the places that they played. In other words, what I'm getting to is I think they've, they've, they've figured out the makeup part of this whole thing. Um, they, they've, uh, they've found it. I mean, Hufanga, they raved about him at USC. He walked into that program. He was a leader. He was incredibly productive. He just didn't run fast. So they were able to see past some of that stuff and, uh, and see guys that are really, really smart, tough and instinctive football players. And uh, and plug them in. Obviously, you get some more athleticism with some of the other guys you mentioned, but all those guys uh, off the field, like work ethic and tangibles, like elite, 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 elite. So sometimes this thing is not just evaluating these guys as players. It's evaluating them as as people and competitors and all that. And I got to believe it helps having John there, you know, as somebody who's kind of epitomizes what you'd want in a football player. Um, he knows what it looks like. So with him and Adam Peters, who I think is as good as anybody in the league um, at evaluating players, they've got a great personnel department. And and Kyle has uh, has a really good idea of what he wants at every position. So when you get a coaching staff that gives you a good menu and you get guys that know how to go find it, you you get a lot of success. Thanks very much. Next question comes from Charles Walker. Yeah. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? Um, just a, a, a question about the Ravens. Um, 
obviously they have the uncertainty with Lamar. Do you think that could lead them to make some sort of move for a quarterback in this draft, whether it would be a big splash for a guy like Richardson or, or, you know, get a guy further down that maybe turns into a developmental guy for them. I would say to me, it looks more like, and this is my opinion here, but to me, it looks like more, you get another receiver kind of, uh, you know, on board without necessarily utilizing a lot of your resources or, you know, first round pick or trading up for a guy. It feels like to me, just let's put another guy in the room. We have time, you know, at least we know we've got this next year. If, you, if you're going year by year with Lamar Jackson, he's going to be your guy. You know that going into this next season. So if you're looking at somebody you can bring into your room and whether that, you know, is Dorian Thompson Robinson, who we've talked about from UCLA, who can run all the stuff that you currently run, very athletic, strong arm. Um, he's a little bit older as, as a 25 year old. But uh, that would be kind of an intriguing mid-round pick. Jaron Hall from BYU can do a lot of those things, really athletic, can move around. Stetson Bennett uh, as well. I mean, to me, it feels like maybe one of those three guys. And then, you know, you have a decision to make if somehow, you know, Richardson were to fall all the way down into your lap, then now we've got, now we have a conversation to make. But I don't get the sense. I don't feel like this is a big, bold move uh, for them to go up and get one. Gotcha. Thanks. Next question comes from Joey Kaufman. You know, just wondering about Jackson Smith and Jigba. At Ohio State, he was almost exclusively playing and lining up in the slot. Um, really, all of his snaps pretty much came there. Um, how does it affect the way he's viewed at the NFL level? Does that help or hurt? Does it help him that he showed that Billy played in the slot, or is it kind of like hurt him as well that teams maybe haven't been able to really evaluate him playing outside as much? Yeah, I mean, I also want to mention it's totally different than the Justin Jefferson thing. I, I know there was some conversation when he was coming out that, you know, he's just, you know, he's going to be a slot. He was a slot there at LSU. He had spent a lot more time outside previously. So with Jefferson, um, that I didn't I personally didn't have any of those concerns. I think with Jackson, I think he can play outside, but I still think he's much better suited and situated to play inside where, you know, his kind of quicker than fast play style works better in the slot. You know, I am, you know, is 21 tape is excellent, but I don't get totally on board with those, you know, saying, well, if you look at his numbers, they were better than the other two guys in, in Wilson and Olave. So that therefore, you know, he's a better player than those guys. Those guys had a much more difficult assignment. Those guys were on the outside. Those guys drew coverage. They, they jump off the screen with their explosiveness. Jackson is a really good player. I think he's going to be a high volume slot receiver. But there wasn't that time when I was watching him where I kind of like almost fell out of my chair like he did with those other two guys with how dynamic and how explosive and how electric they are. So what I'm getting at is I think those guys made his life a lot easier on the inside. And, uh, you know, he's a he's a he's a wonderful slot receiver. I don't think, you know, he gets uh, and I don't think he gets totally dinged by teams saying he's an outside guy. You just draft him knowing this is how we're going to use him. And uh, and he's going to get a chance to to catch close to 100 balls or you know, around there in your offense and there's nothing wrong with that thank you next question comes from daniel or fusi hey dj appreciate you doing this um the dolphins don't have a round one pick and they really don't have a lot of picks at all just four but on day two um at 51 and 84 um can they find a a difference maker maybe not a a, a plug-in starter but somebody who can contribute in year one as a rookie i think absolutely i think if you just look at the tight end position um i think you get a darn good player you know so where they're picking uh, in the second round, picking 51, I think you could get a tight end that in some years might have been a first-round pick. Um, so, you know, Sam Laporta from Iowa, I love. 
I think he's got a good chance of being there. I think there's a very good chance that the top, you know, the top guys are gone. Kincaid's gone. Mayer's gone. You know, Darnell Washington is is a potentially there, but I think he's more than likely gone, even if Musgrave's gone from Oregon State. If you're picking between Sam Laporta, Tucker Craft from South Dakota State, or Schoonmaker from Michigan, I think all those guys are plug and play. I think they're impactful right away. Um, so I think absolutely they can find somebody there that can come in and and uh, and really help their ball club. So that would be the position if you're looking for immediate impact. Um, that would be the spot I'd be looking. Thank you. Next question comes from James Boyd. Hey, DJ, thanks again for doing this and sharing your time. The question I had was in regards to the Colts kind of piggybacking off of what my buddy Zach Kiefer asks. But if the, the Texans go, Will, Le- Will Anderson, I'm sorry, at two, and the first two guys are Bryce Young and Will Anderson, do you think that there is a big enough gap between C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson and Will Levis for the Colts to say, hey, we probably should move up to number three if we can to go get you know the Ohio State quarterback? Yeah, I mean, from – from my tape study and the homework I've done watching these guys, I think there is a gap between CJ Stroud and then that next group, which is with Richardson and Levis. So, you know, again, Chris Ballard has, has got access to a lot more information than I do. He's got a chance to really visit with these guys and, and really figure out how they fit them and their coaching staff, you know, from my job and my role and what I do watching these guys on tape and studying them. I thought there was a, you know, there was a gap between Stroud and next. So, if, if I'm in an organization where we've been on the, the quarterback carousel, the veteran carousel, and this is the draft we've identified as the one where we're going to try and take our swing, I, I want to I guarantee that I get the guy that I really, really like. So, yeah, for me, it would be worth it to move up a spot and give up whatever you have to give up. I don't think it would be too costly um, just, to, just to guarantee you don't get somebody leaping over the top of you to get your guy. But um, you know, again, I hear a lot of stuff with Levis in them, and maybe that's their guy. Maybe they're comfortable, and that's maybe that's why they've been so content that they're uh, they're comfortable with a couple different options. Next question comes from Chris Franklin. Hey, Daniel, how you doing, man? Thanks for doing this. Uh, Peter Skaronski has been mentioned as a potential place for the Eagles to pick him at ten, but in case he goes or they say they go with defense, who would be a Jeff Stoutland type of guy that they could pick in the second or third rounds to fill the position of right guard? Yeah, there's some good options. Um, there's some intriguing players. To me, I would, you know, I could go in a couple different areas uh, for Stout, but I would say Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse is one. I mean, he's big, he's 6'5", he's 318 pounds. He's played left tackle. You know, you've seen what, what they've done there. They've been able to take tackles and make them guards. So he's going to be he's going to be ahead of the game in terms of the pass protection. He can move. Um, he's a really, really good player. So that would be one I would I would keep an eye on as somebody in the second round that could that could kick in. I also, you know, if we're looking for surprise first rounders, I wouldn't be shocked if he was, you know, one of those guys that snuck in, um, you know, to the bottom of the first round. So he's an interesting player. Another guy you could say to fit Stout. Um, you know, it'd be I'm always looking for for bigger guys that kind of beat people up a little bit. I think Steve Avila will be gone from TCU, but he would be one um, that would make some sense there. Um, and then I would say the last one, give you one more bonus one, uh, maybe a, a guy like city South from Mich- Eastern Michigan, not in the second round, but maybe a little bit later. He just strikes me as a, a Stoutland type guys, almost six foot five, 323 pounds. He's got some length. He can move. He's got some torque. He's got some power. Um, those seem to be the kind of traits that, that Stout has appreciated over the years. Next question comes from Taryn Wack. 
Hi there. Mine is more of a big picture. Um, when you look at a draft and back on recent years, how would you define whether a draftee was a success? And based on that criteria, what kind of grade would you give the Saints? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I always look back at it and, and try and say, okay, a great draft to me, a good draft, like the goal should be to get three starters. If you can get three starters out of your draft, um, to me, you feel pretty good about your haul. If you get four, it's an unbelievable draft. And one thing the Saints have been able to do is they've been able to, on occasion, just knock it completely out of the park. Um, so, you know, you go back and and look what they were able to do when, what was it, 2017? You know, when you get Lattimore, Ramchek, Marcus Williams, you know, Kamara, uh, Hendrickson, like that's that's an that's an all-time excellent draft. So they've been able to have drafts like that one where they've knocked it out of the park. And then over the last few years, they've they've gotten solid players, but they haven't been able to to maybe get as many difference makers until last year with with what you saw from Olave and uh, you know what you're hoping Trevor Penning is going to be, but. That that uh, 2017 draft is definitely the gold standard there in that organization. Next question comes from Jeff Fedderton. Uh DJ, thanks so much for doing this. Um, I had a question about Adi Tamiwa, Adi Barre. Um, we all saw what he did during the combine. What does his film look like, and where do you see him uh, going in the draft? Yeah, he's a he's a fascinating player. Um, you know, coming out of the fall, you know, I, I would say. Teams weren't, you know, sky high on him and they all knew he was going to test like crazy. So you had people saying, okay, well, I, you know, I think he's more of a third, fourth round player, but wait, do you see him test? He's going to test like crazy. And then you talk to some of those same people after he works out and puts on a show and they go, oh man, he's unbelievable. I mean, I think he's going to go in the second round. And, and I said, well, wait a second, you What's changed? You you didn't necessarily love him on the tape. You knew he was going to blow it out. He blows it out, and now you're saying that he's moving up. So he's been a fascinating case study from that standpoint. But I, I like him. I, to me, I think, you know, he's, uh, for me personally, he's going to be in my late second round range as a player. But, you know, the athleticism is off the charts and the testing side of things. I think on the field, you know, he shows you some of that inside-outside versatility, knows how to use his long arms to set the edge. I didn't think he was a, you know, a, a real polished pass rusher. I didn't think he had a great game plan as, as a rusher. But, uh, you know, I think when you have the combination of, of uh, explosiveness and length that he has, he's an intriguing guy. I just, you know, I, I know some buzz about him going in the first round. That would be a little, a little early for me. That's great. Thanks so much. Yep. Next question comes from McKenna Keel. DJ, how are you? McKenna Keel, Pac-12 Network. Always so hey, impressed by this. Every year, I hope that you have some post-draft vacation plans in the works. You deserve it. I just wanted First to get all, your hey, high. Hey, schedule release show. Come on. There's no there's no break after the draft. How could talk I forget? Come on. <laughs> there's truly no off-season. You guys are amazing, though. And like everyone has said, thanks for doing this. I know we're running tight on time, but just quickly wanted to get your high-level thoughts on a couple of the top Pac-12 prospects. Uh, let's see, Don Kincaid and Clark Phillips out of Utah, Jordan Addison out of USC, maybe Charbonnet and uh, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. Sure. Um, I'll start with Kincaid. I've been, uh, I don't know if I'm the captain of the fan club, but I know I'm in the running. Um, when my final list comes out, he ended the process. That'll come out Monday. He ended the process as my ninth overall player. Had him as a top tight end. I think he's a special, special talent. 
you know, he had the back, so he couldn't work out in the spring. I think if he if he had been able to work out, I think he would have cemented himself as a top 15 pick. Um, he's he's a stud. He is awesome off the line. He's awesome at the top of his, of his routes. He can separate. He's got great hands. He's competitive after the catch. He can make you miss. I think he's one of the best players in the draft. And everything I was told physically um, from teams, he came out of that fine. Teams are comfortable with him medically, so I, I don't envision him dropping uh, for that reason at all. But I think he's an elite player, one of the best in the draft. Clark Phillips, his teammate, he's going to be a nickel. He's undersized, but he's got incredible ball production and, and toughness and quickness. Uh, I think he would struggle a little bit holding up outside consistently, but uh, he's somebody I think you're probably going to see him in that third round range is when he starts coming into the conversation, but a really, really good nickel. And he ended the process in a really deep class, I think he's my 11th or 12th guy. So it'll be interesting to see between him and Jartavis Martin from Illinois, who goes off the board first, two really good nickels. Um, Addison uh, ended the process as he started it for me as my top receiver. I wish he was heavier. The I don't love the 173-pound aspect, but this guy made more big plays down the field in 21 than anybody in the country. So I know he can make big plays. He can get over the top. Um, he's, a you know, he's, he's a talented guy after the catch, he's not going to be able to break many tackles, you know, not real physical, but he can make you miss. He can run away from you. I think he plays, uh, you know, he plays fast. So smooth, fast, fluid guy. Uh, I've dropped him down a little bit from where I initially had him overall. He ended the process as my 15th player. Um, but I think he's somebody that's going to go off the board. You know, he might be the second one to go. There seems to be, uh, more support for Smith and Jigba around the league as a top receiver. Uh, with more teams. Some have Addison, but I would say more than likely that Smith and Jigba is the first one and he's the second one. Uh, then you go to Charbonnet. Charbonnet to me is a mid to late second round, maybe gets into the third round running back. You know, some teams were worried that he runs a little bit too high, but I think he can drop levels on contact. He's real physical. He's tough. Showed last year what he could do catching the ball. Um, he stays square, does a nice job in pass protection. I think he's one of the, uh, you know, he's one of these guys that can finish a game as well as he can start it. He can be a four minute back and put a game away. So uh, I'm, I'm high on him. He's my third running back in this draft class. And then lastly, Gonzalez, he's in the mix. I would say it's, it's pretty much a coin flip to see who goes first at the position between him and Witherspoon from Illinois. Uh, with Witherspoon, you get a little bit more playmaking, a little bit more aggressive, uh, a little bit more urgent. Whereas with, with Gonzalez, you obviously get the size and the speed that's pretty elite and he's a real fluid, smooth athlete. So I think the, uh, there's a high likelihood that, uh, that both those corners come off the board in the top 10 picks. So, uh, it's a good year for the PAC 12 when you've got a chance to have, you know, for me, you got my top tight end. Um, it's my top wide receiver and my, uh, my number two corner, my number three running back. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good year. Awesome. Thank you, DJ. We appreciate you. No problem. Next question comes from Jonas Schaefer. Hey, DJ, thank you for doing this. Uh, as a follow-up to what was asked about Lamar earlier, you know, it seems like there's optimism around him being back in Baltimore for this season. But if there were uncertainty about, you know, whether you kind of bring him back for 2024, is there a way that you would approach a draft like this to, to maybe, you know, have that kind of insurance plan or to to put yourself in a better spot to to be agile for, for that next draft. I know, obviously, if you trade Lamar, you get a lot of draft capital that way. But is there kind of a way to split the difference if you're unsure about what might uh, next year hold for you in that quarterback position? 
Well, I think there's, you know, I think it's just good business and being smart to bring in, uh, you know, another option. You know, it's just a matter of where you want to do it. I, I don't think it makes as much sense to do it early. I don't think you need to go like that's almost I don't want to say a panic pick. But if you're taking a quarterback or you're trading up for a quarterback, you're, you're all but kicking Lamar Jackson out the door. I, I think to me, there's a way to kind of have your cake and eat it too, where you identify one of these guys in the third, fourth round that's got some ability, that's got some talent, somebody you want to work with. Um, so it gives you another guy in the quarterback room, but that doesn't do anything to uh, to hurt you in your negotiations with Lamar to try and do what you know is best for everybody, and and that would be getting a long term deal done. So um, I think that allows you to kind of serve both those serve both those goals. So that that to me. You know, just from the outside looking in, to me, that is the it's a good compromise that I think uh, keeps from upsetting Lamar Jackson, doesn't mess with your negotiations, but also gives you another guy to take a look at in your building. Yeah, and just to just to follow up quickly on that, do, do yeah. you think it, it would make more sense, you know, in that case to not take a quarterback in like the third or fourth round this year and maybe trade into next year's draft so you have that capital available if you need to make a deal for then move up? Yeah, I mean, I just think you have to understand what that what that entails is that, you know, you, you're going to have a chance to maybe get a quarterback next year, but there's no guarantees of, you know, of that taking place. If you take one now in the third round, at least you get one in the building versus, you know, the, the danger with next year when we have a couple high profile guys. And I think it's actually got a chance to be a pretty deep draft at quarterback next year. But, you know, the two guys that everybody's kind of pointed to and everybody's talking about and the whole thought process of, if I have a bunch of picks next year, and I can trade up and get one of those two guys. Well, when you get special quarterbacks, nobody's trading out of those spots. So you can have all the first round picks you want. If you're not picking one or two, you're not going to sniff either one of those guys. So um, that to me is a little bit of a danger of trying to put all your eggs in that basket. Next question comes from Nolan Bianchi. Hey, Daniel, thanks for doing this. Uh, as we enter the home stretch here, I'm just wondering, is there a percent chance that you could put on the likelihood of more, more than two QBs going in the top five? And if it's only the two in, uh, in Stroud and Young, how does that alter the value of the Lions pick at six? Is there a best case scenario for how the board can fall in front of them? Well, I think the best case scenario for the Lions is the is the opposite. I think if I'm the Lions, I want all four of those quarterbacks to go. You know, if that happens, you're going to get one of the premier players in the draft, um, you know, one of these defensive players specifically. So that's what I'd be rooting for if I was Brad Holmes there in Detroit. But uh, you know, it's tough. It's hard at this point in time to put any type of a percentage on it without knowing, you know, what the heck Houston's going to do. So, you know, I, I have no idea. There's a lot of smoke out there about them not taking one. If they don't take one and all of a sudden Arizona can't get out, then we're looking at, you know, two quarterbacks going in the top four, potentially the top five. And that means more than likely that one of those quarterbacks is going to get down the board even further to you're talking about nine or 10 at that point in time, I think we start seeing some action take place. So that to me, if they're if they're not good enough to go up there in the top five, they get to 10. Now you bring in a whole new wave of teams that could be in the quarterback market and can trade up. And we've seen that in years past. We saw it in, gosh, what was it? The, uh, you know, the Mahomes draft with, uh, with him and Watson, those, uh, you know, 10, 12, that area, you know, there seems to be kind of that new sweet spot of quarterbacks. You saw, uh, Justin Fields go in that range, saw Mac Jones go in that range. So I think a lot of times we assume these quarterbacks are all going to roll and they're all going to go off the board in the top five. But there's a lot of uh, of history over the last handful of years where that, that you know, 9, 10 to 
15 range has been a has been a spot where you could see teams go get one. Next question comes from Eric Smith. Hey DJ, appreciate your time. Uh, with the Chargers at 21, what's the ideal scenario in which they trade down, still in the first round, uh, but still get a, a player they like at you know late 20s, early 30s? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a real possibility, and I think as you're getting ready to pay Justin, um, you know, having having more cheap starters is going to be is going to be the way to go. And I think look no further than the Chiefs and what they were able to do, you know, in the Tyreek trade and and uh, and playing so many rookies and getting so many cheap starters through the draft. So I think trading down makes a lot of sense. If they were to trade down, now you start looking at. You know, you could, you know, edge rushers and receivers. I think there's value down there at the bottom of the first round. You know, we'll see where some of these edge rushers go, like Miles Murphy. Uh, you know, Will McDonald would be another one I think is interesting. Uh, Felix Enadike Uzama from Kansas State. Like, I think you get one of those guys. Maybe BJ Ojolari would be another one you could consider. Um, but I think there's a good group of edge rushers you could be picking from if you traded even to the top of the second round, if you were to trade all the way out. Uh, I think there's some guys that would fit. And then, you know, receiver wise, if you're looking for guys that can, you know, really stretch the field, you know, vertically, I think there's a chance you you see one of those top wide receivers, one of that top five or six guys, um, you know, Zay Flowers be in that mix at that point in time. I think Addison will be gone. Smith and Jigbo be gone. Um, there seems to be some late push and buzz around the league um, uh, for Quentin Johnston, who's getting a lot of attention. So, uh, I think he's probably gone, but when you're looking at Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee and then you're looking at Zay Flowers, those are probably the two guys I think would be you know, interesting fits if they were to trade back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at Let'sMakeAPlan.org. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Next question comes from Ryan McFadden. Uh, hey, hey, DJ, thanks for doing this. I just got a quick question regarding the Broncos. With them um, picking in the third round, uh, also, what direction do you think the Broncos should go in this draft? And what are some players, particularly in the third round, you think they should target? Yeah, there's a couple different ways they could go. You know, I still think, you know, with Sean Payton, he's always going to be obsessed with the trenches, even though they were very active on, on both sides of the line of scrimmage in free agency. I wouldn't rule that out of them, uh, you know, continue to fortify that group. So, you know, offensive line, defensive line would make some sense there. You look at the linebacker position, you know, continuing to to add guys in the mix there. Um, you know, that would be a, that wouldn't be a surprise. And you also have the corner position where they could continue to invest. So when you're looking at where they're picking, they pick 67, they pick 68. Um, you know, I think there's some. There's some intriguing defensive linemen. You look at a guy like Zach Pickens from South Carolina, who's uh, you know 290 plus pounds and's got some juice. Um, I like him a lot. You're going to see Jervon Dexter from Florida. He's going to start getting mentioned in that range of the draft. Um, one of the guys who's kind of a sleeper for me, who I think could factor into that third round, is a guy named Scott Matlock from Boise State who was not invited to the combine. So a little bit under the radar, but he's a really good player and teams like him a lot. So um, those are some defensive linemen. I think that could make some sense there. And then when you look at the linebackers, I don't love this linebacker class, but there are some intriguing names. And uh, you know, to me, a guy like Marte Mapu from Sac state, he's another one who did not get invited to the combine who I think is a, is a, is a, is a third round player every day of the week. He just, Got a pec injury, so he couldn't work out in the spring, but he was awesome at the senior bowl. Uh, he's rangy. He can really, really cover. So having linebackers that can cover, especially in the AFC West, is a big deal. Um, I think he'd be a nice one to add to their mix. Next question comes from Jerry DePola. Thank you very much for your time, Daniel. Um, I'm curious of your thoughts on uh, some of the pit players. Uh, uh, Kalijah Kansi, Izzy Abanacanda, maybe Servassier Dennis, uh, Jared Wayne. And also, uh, what does the NFL these days think of uh, – Pitt has a proving ground uh, for NFL prospects. Well, they've done a really nice job. Um, you know, they, they they produce quality NFL players. They and to me, they have um, you know they have a degree of toughness that they all seem to possess, which is which is always going to be you know well received and positive. So to me, that's a, that's a pretty good spot to be in. So when I look at some of their guys, Kalijah Kansi. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see where he ends up going on my final list. He ended up being my 26th overall player. Um, you know, Ed Oliver was my comparison for him who went much higher than that. Um, but somebody, you know, obviously the twitch, the quickness, the ability to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. You know, I do think he needs to win early. Doesn't have, you know, doesn't have real long arms, but, uh, I think he's a, he's a 25 to 35 type. I think that's probably where he ends up going off the board somewhere you know, in the, in the uh, late portion of the first round, maybe into the second round, uh, Abinaconda, the, uh, the running back has got big time juice. Um, you know, he wasn't a huge asset in the passing game, but I think there's more there. He's real slippery, makes you miss. He's got good vision and he's really, really explosive. So I thought he did a nice job as a route runner, just didn't get as many you know, opportunities there. 
Servasier uh, Dennis, not only one of the all-time names in this draft, but a, a really good player who, when you talk to the, the guys there, they rave about how, how smart he is. You know, he, he rushed the passer. He does a lot of different things. going to have to play primarily off the ball at the next level. Um, but, man, his off-the-ball timing is a blitzer, and his ability to kind of just slither through blocks and, and make plays is impressive. So uh, he's intriguing, I would say. You're talking about him in the fourth-round range, somewhere around there. Uh, so it's a good group. Brandon Hill, the, the safety is intriguing as well. Uh, somebody in a safety class that's not that great. He's my seventh safety. Um, so I, I think he'll factor in somewhere on day three. Thank you so much. Sure. Next question comes from Charlie Potter. Yeah. Hey, Daniel. Uh, you talked about having Bryce and Will, <laughs> top two players. You have two other guys from Alabama in your top 31. Just beyond those possible day one picks, who's your next best Alabama player? Maybe a, a couple guys that stand out to you. Yeah. So to me, it's Bryce, it's Will, and then, you know, Gibbs and Branch would be the next two. And I think, you know, in a draft like this, we can talk about running backs and, and kind of, you know, go all in on that. And, and whether you take them, whether you don't take them, there's not 31 players better than Jameer Gibbs in this draft. And I think teams at the bottom of the first round give him serious consideration. Branch, you know, I wish he ran a little faster than he did, but, you know, the versatility, I think he's the best nickel in the draft. You can play him all over, though. So I think he's he's going to go mid to late one to early two in that range, but he'd be the next one for me. And then after that, it would be Jordan battle. So he's Jordan battles, my third safety. Um, you know, I love the anticipation. I love his eyes. I wish he had a little bit more twitch. Um, but he's somebody that I think, especially immediately, he's going to get on the field. He's going to be really good uh, on special teams as well. Something he did well there. So those would be my next guys in order. And then you've got, uh, you know, Tyler Steen and, uh, and uh, ML EQR would be probably next as the offensive lineman. Same grade I also have on on Henry Toto. So those guys, I think, are all going to go in like the third round range would be my guess for those three. Next question comes from Alexander Wilson. Hey, Daniel. What, you know, coming into the season last year, it seemed like Kayshawn Booty was going to maybe be a first round pick. And obviously his stock seems to have plummeted. Uh, how did we get to this point with him? And what do you make of him as a prospect at this point? Yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, somebody that when he was younger, you, you paid attention to him and he, he kind of jumped off the, the tape a little bit and got you excited. Um, I didn't really see that, you know, him take that next step going forward. Um, so, you know, I, there are some teams that still really like him and they're holding on to what they saw earlier. But I didn't think he was just real crisp as a route runner. You know, I think he's a smooth athlete. He ran fast enough at four five flat. But I thought he just was, uh, you know, drifted a little bit on routes. I didn't think he was real clean or crisp. And I didn't think he was super physical at the catch point. So, you know, a lot of times in the NFL, the space disappears. You got to have you got to be strong, uh, you know, in, in the midst of some other bodies. And I thought at times he just wasn't real physical at the catch point. So that's that was uh, that was my personal hang up. But in terms of where he goes, we see this every year with guys that have have maybe not been as good later in their careers that some teams, um, you know, they're going to believe in what they saw earlier and stick to that. And, uh, and that's the type of team he's going to need in this draft to, uh, to bring him in. So I think he's probably in that. If you're going to ask me right now, I'd say he's like a fourth round type pick, but the beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And if you get a team that's a little more attached to what he showed early in his career, maybe he goes a little bit higher. As a follow-up to that, are there any other LSU guys that are sort of rising for you, or just what do you make of the group coming from them this season? 
Yeah. So, you know, Ojolari seems to be getting a little bit of buzz here late. Um, I, he's my 35th overall player. So, I mean, he's, he's a good player. Uh, Jay Ward is intriguing. Again, uh, when you look at this safety class, he's somebody that, you know, could play some corner, can play some nickel, um, you know, play safety. He didn't run super fast, but I think he's fast enough. And he's he's intriguing guy as a mid-round pick. Um, so those would be the guys that jump out to me. Um, you know, you look at Roy. Uh, Jacqueline Roy I might be spelling. I might be pronouncing his first name wrong, but uh, he's a, uh, he's a good player. He's, he's down the line a little bit for me as a defensive tackle. Um, but somebody who's, uh, you know, has got the size you're looking for, for sure. I think he's more of a day three guy. Next question comes from Tom Krasovich. Hello, Daniel. Uh, I'm still marveling at what the chiefs did last year. I think they got like three defensive backs an edge rusher and a running back who all helped them win a Super Bowl as a rookie. Uh, this time a year ago after their draft, did you think that was uh, a, a potential outcome and how did they do it and who could do something like that this year where we, most of us don't even know who the guys are they draft, but then we turn around and it's a heck of a class just one year later. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt pretty great about their draft last year. Now, if you're giving me truth serum, I would not have predicted Isaiah Pacheco would have the role that he had on, on a Super Bowl winning team as a rookie. So that was the one exception. Um, I thought he was a good player, but I did not know he would he would do that and uh, and turn into the you know an unbelievable bargain there in the seventh round. But Trent McDuffie, I was a big fan of. Karloftis, I was a big fan of. Sky Moore, I was a big fan of. You know, Brian Cook, I liked. Leo Chanel, I mean, you go all the way down the list. Like they... They had a lot of resources. So when you have what one, two, three, four picks in the top sixty-two, um, that's a that's a good haul. And and Brett Veach did a wonderful job of bringing guys in that were that were smart, athletic, and coachable. And I give their staff credit because sometimes it's not just your you know your scouting staff being able to identify talent; it's your coaching staff being able to develop that talent. And I think the Chiefs' coaching staff is one of the best teaching staffs in the NFL. And, uh, and that was evident by the way they're able to get these young guys on the field early um, and get them up and running. And they just got better and better as the year went along. So I think they've kind of they've laid out the blueprint for teams that have paid their quarterback. Um, this is how you have to do it. You know, you've got to go out there, get extra picks. You're not going to be able to pay everybody, um, but you need to hit on draft picks. So if you can get more of them, get increase your odds. Uh, those are the cheap starters you need to round out your team. Do you think there's a team this year that can sort of do something like that? Well, I'm intrigued to see what happens with the Detroit Lions because they're right on the cusp. Um, they're a really good team. We saw, you know, within a whisker of making the playoffs last year. And now when when you look where they're picking, they've got four of the top 55 picks. They've got uh, another one there at 81. So they've got a chance to add some real, real uh, help to their roster. And the way that their lineup is set up right now, you don't look like they they can't line up and play tomorrow at a certain spot. So that allows them to take the best available player. Um, Brad Holmes, I give him a lot of credit. Uh, he took a lot of grief after the Stafford trade, and they went on and won the Super Bowl with the Rams. But he's he, he knew the timing, and he nailed it because – they weren't ready to win yet, and he was able to still get a quality quarterback in return and load up with all these assets. Um, and now they're in great shape. I mean, I don't know that there's, you know, many teams you'd rather be than them right now with where they are as an organization and the assets they have to to go ahead and, and take that next step. Awesome, thanks, Daniel. Yep. Uh, by the way, I didn't say this at the top. I I probably should have. 
happy Fernando Tatis Day to everybody. I hope you're all celebrating as much as I am. <laughs> Next question comes from Bradley Locker. Hi, DJ. Sincerely appreciate all of your insight. Turning to the Steelers and the moves they made in free agency, addressing a lot of the offensive line and defensive line in particular, do you still think cornerback and offensive tackle are the positions that might go early, but also where do you think edge rusher might fit into that mix? Yeah, I think those are the three spots. Um, you know, I think you got to see how it kind of falls, how the draft falls. I would just say if you're looking at those three, to me, you know, where they're picking at 17, it makes more sense to go offensive tackle first. I think there's a bigger drop off at that position if you don't get one there uh, with your first pick. Now, they come right back at it and, and pick at 32. So, you know, they'll have a, a chance to, you know, address those other needs. But to me, it makes the most sense. If one of those top tackles is there, take the tackle at 17 and then you turn around at 32. And I think you can afford to just say, hey, highest rated player between a corner and an edge rusher. I think there's going to be some really good options at both those spots. So um, I think they're in a pretty good position in this draft uh, coming on the heels of what they already accomplished. And then again, you're picking at 49. So 17, 32, 49. You talked about those three positions. I don't see why they couldn't come out of those first three picks with with three starters between a tackle, a corner, and an edge rusher. Wonderful. Thank you. Next question comes from Palmer with Dogs HQ. Hey, DJ. I heard you mention Stetson Bennett's name earlier. Uh, what do you see as his ceiling in the NFL, and what would be a good comparison for him? And then Kenny McIntosh, the running back from Georgia, where does he fit into what's a deep class of running backs? Yeah, I mean, with Stetson, um, you know, it's interesting. To me, he's a, he's a different body type. But if you're if you're looking at maybe a little bit a little skinnier, faster version of Colt McCoy uh, would be a comparison for me. You know, Colt won in college. Uh, Colt could run. He could move. He just he found a way to make winning plays, even though he didn't necessarily fit all the specs you were looking for coming from a, uh, you know, a true blue blood program as well. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would say that would be my vision for him as somebody that can start games here or there. But, you know, it's going to give you a really, really athletic and, uh, you know, a good solid backup that if you need to get through three or four games, you wouldn't feel bad about giving him the keys. So um, that's where I would have Stetson Bennett in terms of a comparison. And then uh, when you're looking at the running back position, it's interesting. It's, you know, I wish Kenny would have ran faster. He ran the four sixes. He's he's, you know, a similar type of player to Tony Pollard coming out. Just doesn't have the juice uh, that Tony Pollard had. But. He's one of the best pass catching backs. Um, I think he's, you know, I think he's going to be a day three guy. I think in this group where we have so many backs, it's a pretty deep and talented group. I would say I would put that mark probably around the fifth round is is about the range of, of where he hears his name called. But again, really good with the ball in his hands and an excellent the passing game. Next question comes from Josh Schrock. Hey, DJ, thanks for doing this. Uh, the Bears have pretty much had every top tackle in for a visit. Um, Darnell Wright's a name that's kind of been percolating here in Chicago. I wanted to know your thoughts on his fit at nine with the Bears and how he compares to Skaronsky and Paris Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're just saying as a pure tackle, um, his tape is really, really good. Um, and playing on the right side this year, I mean, everybody's talked about the fact that he took a big leap in this year, but it's hard to find guys that are 330 pounds um, that move like him and are strong as he is at right tackle. I think he's plug and play. I think he's ready to go. I have a higher grade on Skaronsky. I think Skaronsky can play tackle. I think Skaronsky can be a good tackle, but I think Skaronsky can be an, a, an unbelievable guard. So my, uh, you know, my order there would be Skaronsky and then, and then right. 
But, uh, you know, I have in my final ranking, I have Paris Campbell or Paris Johnson, Darnell Wright, Broderick Jones. They're literally 16, 17, 18 on my list. So uh, I'm a little bit higher on Skaronsky, but I think all the four of those guys are going to be starters. I think if you had to play a game tomorrow and, and know that you're going to line up and play tackle, um, I think Darnell Wright might be your best option as a right tackle right away uh, who could plug in there and get going. So, um, you know, I, I think there's I don't think there's a wrong answer there. Uh, but for me personally, I just think Skaronsky is the, is the best overall football player. All right. Well, there you go. Hope you guys have enjoyed that. Uh, again, a lot of questions. Uh, I enjoy it, though. I love talking about this. Uh, it's, it's really Christmas morning for me. Uh, once we get to the draft. So uh, a lot of questions, uh, not a lot of answers yet at this point in time, a lot unknown about this draft, which is going to make it compelling. I uh, hope you guys will join us next week on Move the Sticks. We continue to dive into this process and and uh, and continue to preview the upcoming draft. So uh, appreciate you hanging with us, and we will catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 